Pickup, and we are broadcasting from the Greenhouse booth at HR Tech. I've got Jessica Millamero with me today, and we're going to be talking a little bit about interviewing. Jess, would you do me a favor, do the audience a favor, and introduce yourself? I'm Jess, and uh, I have a company called Workology. We provide resources, information, training, and support for the human resources industry really focused on training in the areas of HR certification prep and professional development, particularly in like recertification. So, and, and do you all focus on one particular uh, or another with the, with the different preps? I love all my certifications equally. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, side with SHRM or HRCI, so I tell them I'm Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. But we provide support for both HRCI and SHRM. There's different experiences for right. them, right. Uh, different courses they can access. And you You've got both, so or, or at least I remember you have both. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, both of them are great. May as yeah. well be Switzerland. It's, let people it's use whatever. Really they about want. Uh, your schedule and you know your geography in terms of what certification is going to work for you. And y'all do a lot of webinar content, a lot of basically getting people to make sure they get their credits in. Yes, yeah, and I have an on-demand uh, program where they can go into our learning platform and access all the things that they need for HR oh, that's uh, recertification. Fantastic. So when you're ready to recertify, just send me a note. I'll, I'll hook you up, and, and you can get access to everything. We've just added new global courses. So if you're a GPHR and you're looking for global stuff. That's hard. I, that's yes. Hard. Those are hard credits to get. I, um, I have a handful of those, and we're adding more uh, over the next couple of months. That's yeah. fantastic. That's needed. I mean, it's needed. To, the conferences are great, but there's always so many of them, and it's or, not on somebody's schedule. Or you schedule. don't have the budget to go to the conference, Good and uh, maybe you're a procrastinator like me, and you have 15 credits that you need before the October 31st deadline right. date for you, so you need to go somewhere and do that, right. and uh, we have a monthly subscription that makes that happen. So. I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about interviews. Yeah. So I love starting off with your favorite interview. Either uh, that you did, or as a as a candidate, or that you did as a hiring manager. Ooh, my favorite, favorite. interview. That's. Um, I don't know if that was a favorite, but um, the funniest interview I'll say <laughs> is the one that occurred uh, where I could hear them as a phone interview, and I could hear them swishing in the background. So they were in the bathtub. Okay. And okay. Uh, it was so they good. were comfortable. They were, and I was comfortable in saying, "Moving on." But I, I, sometimes I like, as a hiring manager or You're recruiter, this seriously. I, I like those red flags to come through early because then it says it's not going to be a match for me. No, no, no. Now, favorite interview question from a candidate that you can remember, like, as a, not something that stumped you, but just something you were like, you know, that's really, that's super thoughtful. I like that. I think that uh, I like questions that talk about like the manager style or how they lead their teams, those kind of experiences. And uh, the last hire that I did, I got a question like that in the interview process that said, like, what kind of manager or leader than you? Tell me like how you deal with criticism or right. and um, that was great because then I could be I mean she's putting me in the hot seat right, right. now to answer right. the question and I could give her an answer that uh, would kind of give her an indication of what kind of boss I was and I think the older you get in your career or more experience but good bosses are really important than they were it's not just a logo or a job title like bosses can make or break your experience so what I love about that is fitability they're asking questions. I thrive here. I don't thrive here. So, you know, as a candidate, it's like, you know, 
you're not going to thrive everywhere. You can. You know, there's just certain situations that you're going to be better at. The setup's better, the manager's better, et cetera. So I love probative questions like that. Not everybody wants a competent employee, but sometimes they just want a drone. Right. I want somebody who can learn and push back and ask questions and make changes yep. uh, because I'm not the only person who has all the answers. So that's the kind of person I want in my organization. And we, we brought her in and it's been great. I love it. What's your take on kind of reducing bias in the hiring process or the interview process? Like you've seen this stuff for a long time, 20 something years. So, you, you know, yeah. What, what have you seen and what do you like in terms of like, okay, let's just get here faster in terms of just reducing. I don't think we can eliminate. Per, that's a personal take, by the way. I don't think we can ever eliminate bias, but reducing it, what have you seen and what do you like? Manager training for interviews is so important. Just being familiar with employment laws, the do's and the don'ts, the basics of what you can say and what you can't say, and then the potential consequences. I'll give you an example, not exactly interviewing, but occurred during the interview. We had an EEOC charge that happened, and upon the investigation, basically this person was saying, the candidate was saying they were being discriminated against because they were older, over 40, which is a protected class in, in the state. And when I got the charge, I immediately looked at the notes and the copy of the paper application, because we still had those um, back in those days. And there was a post-it note on the application that had a frowny face and said the words, too old. So, yes. Oh, my God. So, things like... They didn't just feel that way. That was real. That, that was, was real. It was so real, and it and it so it could have been avoided right. as a manager, leader, or an HR person going in and saying, "Here are the do's and don'ts." Right. Um, I'm not saying don't include that information, but I am saying don't include that information. I would rather you not make these assumptions as someone now who is over 40 myself. We're both in that club. Um, It's. We're capable, right? And when we make those kind of judgments and biases, um, not only can they cost the organization a lot of money, but you're missing out on some really great talent uh, because of those things. Well, that person could have been great. You made them feel that way. That was legit. Sometimes people feel something that wasn't there. That was actually there. That was real. I couldn't believe that they wrote it down and there was evidence because now in like the digital age, you know, and and it was an in-person interview versus over the phone or Zoom, but still, these things are captured. And, um, you know, I turned that over to the legal team and they took care of what they needed to take care of for us, but these kind of things are still happening. Um, and we have been in the industry for over 20 years. Breaks my so heart. training is essential. It doesn't have to be a lot, but it's a great way to just remind and coach yeah. of what should and should not be said. You yeah. know, like yeah. h- how many kids do you have? What age are you? Um, those those kind of questions. Well, I tell people this all the time from from the south. Sometimes on people's resume, they'll have their church affiliation, and it's just normal. Like, you know, they volunteer at so-and-so, and, like, that's just normal, right? But that that's not something you can really ask about in, in the interview process if you can't further it. I mean, you can't, like, mark it out or anything like that. But it's it's it's, an, it's unfortunate uh, because people can share that information. I didn't request that information, right. but we shouldn't be using it to, to make a another. decision. Um, you know, I also think, like, uh, names, 
yep. uh, are also a challenge. I have a friend right now who's in the job market. Her name's Shaniqua. She is the smartest woman and so capable in a lot of different areas. And um, she is not including her first name on any applications. She's yeah. using her, her middle name yeah. um, in that area. And then the response rate for her, she's a, in the content space, marketing, uh, has been a lot better since she made that change. I hate that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I understand why she would have to make that. It just, it kills me that someone would have to actually change their name, even the perception that they would have to change their name. What's your current take on um, gaps in a resume? Like what's your, you know, do you have a current take in like how hiring managers or how recruiters should look at gaps? I think a lot of us had a gap at, uh, in the pandemic, yep. right? If <laughs> things shifted. I had an emotional gap. <laughs> Same. Same. I, there's a lot of reasons why you might have a gap. Right. Um, taking care of parents, yep. uh, health situations. Uh, maybe you were out on maternity leave and took some time off to return. I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, I Honestly, I love a good like long break or vacation to kind of reset and get that myself in a good space right. so that when I do choose to come back into the job market or a project for a client, for me personally, I have a pause right. to be able to uh, really get what I need emotionally and mentally before I go into that situation. I love that. I love that the kind of a, a pause to kind of reflect on what just happened and kind of also to think about what you'd like to do in the next thing or what you want to get out of the next think, thing. Think of about it like dating. Like, like if you, I don't know about you, but I have been married more than once, okay? <laughs> so... I took some time. There's some good experiences in there. Yes. And some other experiences. But after it ended and it was done, I took some time. I didn't go right back into the dating pool and get remarried. And I'm not saying to anyone who has made that choice, you do you, boo. Uh -huh. However, to me, it's just like the job market. You need to give yourself some space and Try. time if you can afford it financially Try. to be able to do that. So why would we be penalizing people who have made that decision for whatever reasons um, to be able, before they make the decision, to be able to jump back into the market. I think that's smart. I love it. So your current bit on transferable skills. So we look at the resume or we looked at LinkedIn and we kind of understand-ish the breadth and depth of the skills that someone has now. But how do we? How do you like to look at those things or coach folks to look at those things and say, well, these skills are similar. They might not say that they have these skills, but they actually do have these skills. What's your kind of advice? Because you talk to a lot of practitioners. So. I do. I, I love people who have a wide set of skills and that they go out and learn the information, right? The underrated or hidden gems, those are, the, those are my jam. Right. I love those folks who have a different skill set, but I can make the transference to be able to bring them in. Right. Um, so... If I was a job seeker, I would encourage you to go out and really think about what you need as a competitive advantage to um, go into the interview process. As a hiring manager, sometimes you have to get creative in the market. And that might mean if you're hiring for a salesperson, maybe you go look at nonprofits and fundraising because those people are hustling their asses off to be able to raise for their uh, favorite nonprofit and organization that they support. Those kind of things are great. As someone who's a lifelong learner, 
Like I am in yoga teacher training right now. Oh, cool. During the pandemic, I went through a master training, two-year program for neuro-linguistic programming or NLP. Those are the kind, I think, the people that are always working on continuous education and learning and thinking about how they can fit that into their life and their work. Right. Those are the people that I want because they solve problems. Right. Right. The people, nothing against having multiple degrees right. and various things, um, but I like the shorter version stuff where I can kind of immerse myself and become an expert right. and then give myself some pause to think about how that might be applied Connecting in my next the dots. thing. Yeah. Uh, as entrepreneurs, you and I have to do that all the... I mean, you didn't just wake up one morning and become a podcasting expert, did you? No, you did like 10 years of this stuff. Now, <laughs> At gunpoint. Yeah. It takes time to learn and grow. So uh, people that are going out and learning. I love those people. Yeah. I love those people. Those are my people. They're not, uh, yeah, they're, not, they're not comfortable with the status quo. They're always <laughs> trying to improve themselves, whatever that may be. And I love, first of all, I love the story of what you did during the pandemic, and I love what you're doing now. It's just cool. It's, it's really fun, and I'm learning a lot, and um, I'm healing myself and then thinking about how I can help support the HR community, the TA community, uh, because a lot of us are in a time of transition. So we need tools and resources to be able to help support ourselves, particularly in the like emotional well-being space. We rushed right into what you currently do, but I forgot to tell the audience that you were a practitioner for years. So a you long time. Work, you worked a desk. I did. I did. I did all the things, and um, I started a little blog that became a business yep. uh, and lost my job because of that blog, <laughs> uh, which it was not nefarious. I was talking about job search strategies, but back yeah. in 2009, that social media was scary to employers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so um, I like to think, we used to say when I worked in retail that you were promoted to customer, and that's exactly what happened. So <laughs> I was promoted to customer, and then I spent two years working my butt off to just prove to them that they were wrong. Yep. Um, but I'm glad that they made the decision that I couldn't do Well, they myself. set you on a great path. I dedicated my book to them, to my two bosses, Tom and Mark, actually. Uh, I didn't use their last names in the dedication, but my book is uh, over on Sherm. It's called Digitizing Talent. And in the dedication, it's, you know, to Tom and Mark, thank you for doing the thing that I couldn't do for myself. Wow. So, oh, that's uh, really cool. Yeah, my uh, my editor died when she read it. She said, Yeah, but had who, they not done who, Who's Tom and Mark? I'm had, like, Oh, they're my old bosses. Yeah, but had they not overreacted, uh, reacted poorly to that, you might still be there. Yes, I. Uh, Which isn't a bad I mean, thing. Yeah, of no, I could be a VP of HR or yeah. a chief people officer somewhere and, and doing good things, but. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it happened the yeah. way that... I, I know you believe in, like, kismet and, like, yep. uh, the universe kind of sometimes sending you off in a completely different direction, right. and uh, that's exactly what happened. You have a plan, and then all of a sudden you start that plan, and you might have to deviate from that plan. Yeah, and I'm just like, thank you. Okay, yeah. I took my time. I took my two years. I mean, I was hot for two years. Oh, yeah. I didn't talk about it. I was embarrassed and um, was... Uh, I don't know, it took a long time for me to kind of work through those things. But once I realized that that was the best thing that could have happened to me, I was like, okay. Well, one of the things I love about you is you've always been very authentic. You tell stories that sometimes people avoid. And uh, I appreciate that. You know, and personally, I appreciate people that will go out at risk. It's not really a risk when you're being genuine. However, it's perceptually, people are like, oh my God, she's talking about something taboo. And it's like, no, she's telling her story. 
I love I, that. The more transparent you are, I think the more people realize that you're a real, genuine person. Um, now, I'm yeah. not saying you shout out of the rooftops all your dirty laundry, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if it's relevant <laughs> to others and it can help people, right. I definitely think that we should be sharing. And that's what I did uh, yesterday at HR Tech uh, here. The so I talked HR? about wellness and um, talked about my own experience with mental health, physical wellness, and then um, being a domestic abuse survivor. Yep. So um, the number of people that came up to us after our session was amazing. I still had people this morning saying, I really appreciated everything that you said. I have to bring awareness to it because there are people in the room right now that were exactly like I was, yeah, that si were in denial or suffering. unaware. Yeah. And I want to help my story empower them to be able to make a choice. Um, and, and I think there's there's beauty in that. If I can help Absolute from beauty. my shitty situation to turn it into something amazing, the life that I have now, and help other people be able to do the same, I'm all for it. It's also building a nice legacy for yourself, but also helping other people. Look, I love that. All right, two really kind of last things that I want to cover. One is about ghosting. Your bit on either candidates ghosting the interviewers or the interviewers ghosting the candidates. What Do we give people second chances, third chances? Like, is, is there a do you have a bit on ghosting? I hate the ghosting <laughs> phenomenon. I always like would plan it in as a recruiter, HR person, that it was going to happen, right? right? In terms of like, I knew that yeah. I might need 25 candidates that were qualified. Oh, you're already doing do the four, ratios yes, of who would fall yes. out. Yes, and, and so I think you need to plan that in. It's just like airlines. They oversell. They overbook. So you need to do the same You're overbooking. thing. Overbooking. Oh, I love that. Yes. No How, one's ever said that. However, that's well, cool. that's that's what I do. That's cool. However, I would encourage recruiters and hiring managers to actually show up to the interviews because I am hearing from a lot of job candidates right now that hiring managers are not showing up or they're 25 minutes late or yep. I get it. Schedules are tight. Things are going yeah, on. Yeah, but if you want that talent. Yes. And the market is soft right now. Sorry. So job seekers don't have the power, but they will soon. And they <laughs> and will. And even if they don't, why would you treat them that way? That wouldn't be the kind of place. So maybe if you're the hiring manager and I'm the job seeker and you don't show up, I should be thanking you because yeah. you made my decision really easy. 100%. I, I, if you are struggling with hiring, you got to show up. 100%. I think it's some of it, if there's a reason, like, hey, my wife went to the hospital, I had to do this, and here, that's I sent a you a legit, text. That's legit, yeah. That's not ghosting. That's that's a life emergency. Okay, check. We got that. But, like, just not showing up, it's not, it's not acceptable. I would like more feedback from jobs, from, from the recruiting and the hiring managers to say, here's where you are in the process. Right. Because when you have, specifically, like, right now with so many people being out of work, laid off, it's really emotional and scary. So just a status update that says, hey, we've had to take a pause, yeah. or here's where we are. Yeah. That's all you have to provide, but it's going to help their mental health. I have a friend right now. Um, she just, uh, the company went return to work. Right. She had moved to Hawaii and was approved, and they said, sorry, you're coming back. Uh, you're going to have to relocate from Kona back to San Francisco no. or wherever. Yeah. And she said, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, but the number of experiences that she's had in the job search process um, I just wish people would be transparent and open. Just just give people a status update because 
she's trying to to pay her bills and and do the job search. It's yeah. really emotional oh, yeah. experience. It's really personal. So even a small update, it that's all you need. It doesn't have to be a master's thesis. Just no, a it simple, could be a text yeah. from a non-reply text number. Right. I, anything right. is good. Anything. Because nothing, it just weighs on you 100%. and your emotional health and well-being. 100%. All right, last question. We're going to do the opposite of the first question in terms of uh, the great question in an interview. What's your horror story? And in, it could be personal. Or it could be something that, that you interview. I'll do a personal one. And I haven't been in the interview space for a while interviewing for jobs because right. I'm an entrepreneur. Although I feel like I interview every day. 100%. Uh, here, you know, you're hustling for your dollars and, yep. and meeting the people over cocktails and what. But um, so when I first moved to Oklahoma City, which was a long time ago, yep. um, and I was, I think I wasn't even married yet uh, to my uh, husband number two. Um, I upgraded, but uh, so I was, Oklahoma City's oil and gas big time. 100%. So I went to a certain very large oil and gas company, had my interview, they had me wait in the waiting room for like 45 minutes, which was fine. Um, And then we went in and it was a good cop, bad cop interview. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. I left that sucker crying because I didn't understand what was happening until after I left the the interview. And then I realized what was going on because I was in the moment, right? Right. It was the most ridiculous crap that had ever happened. Big giant why? Like, this isn't the 1950s. What are you doing? I felt like I was in jail and they were interrogating me in a police station. It was very much like that. Somebody's building you up and the other guy's tearing you down. They called me back for the the next interview and I said, no, thank you. No. You you showed me everything that you needed to show? Yeah. good. I don't need your fancy logo in your oil and gas like that on my resume. So... um, Now, now gender question, so so answered or don't, but... Do, do you think that do you, now, looking back, do you think that they treated men of the same position? Do you think they treated them the same way? I would think probably my visceral, like my initial response, because I'm a real feeling and intuitive person, right. um, was as a female, I'm, I'm more emotional, right? right? And I feel like you men have a better guard at um, <laughs> deflecting certain it. things, uh, some right? Would, some would say we're not developed yet enough. <laughs> Well, in that situation, I think that that you, you would have fared much better in that interview. Um, But it was such a bizarre thing. I'm surprised I didn't like show me ink blots or do a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, that was the most bizarre interview I'd ever been in. Um, the oil and, and I did interview at the time a lot of different oil and gas companies. So it wasn't, it wasn't just, it was, it was all very weird. Um, yeah, it, there was one company that hired me on as a contractor, and we hadn't even filled out paperwork, and they wanted me to drive, like, 12 hours to, like, McAllen, Texas or yep. something. I was yep. like, no, thank you. No, I'm good. Like, you can pay me now. Yeah, Like, yeah. let's get this process started. But um, it, was a, it was a weird time in, uh, I mean, I think Oklahoma City, oil and gas market's a lot different, but yeah. just for everybody. I lived uh, in Midland for years. Yeah. It's, I dealt with those people. When I say those people... I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's, a, it's a real thing. No shade to the oil and gas industry, nope. but I learned a lot about what I didn't want, and that's what I take from uh, these kinds of situations. And, and irony enough, or ironical enough, it, they are changing because they are forced to change. It's good fodder for podcasts like 15, five years later, 100%. dedications and books, all the things. Yeah, <laughs> we've got it covered. 
just this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're super busy, but I appreciate you coming by and tolerating us. Yeah, it's always good to check in with you, William, and see what you're up to at uh, HR Tech. Excellent. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.